This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Well, good evening, everyone. Tiny but loud. Good evening, family. Tiny but loud. <laughs> it's a tiny but loud. But anyway, that's good. Uh, how many of you are ready to receive from the Lord tonight? God is a special word of encouragement. So we're going to get dive right into his word and be encouraged and be motivated and be pumped up with the word because God wants to meet your need tonight. He loves you, family. He loves you. He loves you, each and every one of you as an individual. He cares about you. He knows your name and he knows your need. He knows the desires of your heart. And I'm come to encourage you to trust the Lord because he is able to meet any of your needs. Nothing is impossible for God. All He wants us to do is believe. So tonight we're going to get our faith just lifted up and I could be a little bit loud. Am I loud? Am I too loud here? We may be a little bit. Are you ready? Father, into your presence we come, dear sir, to praise and to worship you. We say this is the day that you have made and we are, are so grateful that we can worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you that we know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. We thank you for giving us a precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for rising and big within me now and thinking through my mind and speaking through my lips of clay. And I declare I'm a servant ready to be used by the Master. Thank you that I'll speak your word boldly, fearlessly, confidently. I thank you, Father, that fear will be dispelled, but faith will rise up in the heart of your people. And we are Christian Family Church. We're not only heroes of the word, but Father, we doers of the word and therefore we have success in life and we give you all the praise and all the honor and everybody says hallelujah and you may be seated praise Jesus he's so good the title of my message tonight is God is able say my God is able you know family we live in an age of unprecedented President of power. In fact, in 1969, man built engines big enough to and powerful enough to send a rocket to the moon with two people in it. Remember that. It was from Kennedy Space Center. But today we have mighty big airplanes. The biggest airplane can take 500, 550, no, 544 passengers at a time. And it can transport people around the world in a matter of hours and days. And so it's incredible how we've harnessed the power of the engine. We've also harnessed the power of the atom. We've created enough energy to light cities. In Jesus' name, we have energy in South Africa to light cities. <laughs> this message is for us right here. Glory to God. So the Lord has given us an opportunity to ignite the power of electricity. And we've made uh, an enough electricity we can um, in, uh, light up entire cities. But throughout history, mankind has stood in awe at the mighty elements, the raw elements. If we look at light, it's so powerful that it can blind us. We look at water, it's so powerful. It can wash away cities and civilizations. And we've seen tsunamis that have been so, uh, they've washed away, devastated cities. So that can happen with water. But wind is also powerful, can knock down buildings. And fire is so powerful, it can melt rocks 
earthquakes. It can burn down forests and houses. And we, yet we can harness the power of fire. It can warm our homes and cook our food. Right, family? So there's something about power. Yet, when we come to God, suddenly our minds go tilt. Our thoughts are stunted when we think about the power of God. God claims to be all-powerful, and He is. And it defies our imagination. It goes way beyond what we can even think or even imagine. Because God Himself is the source of all power. Not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. God is omnipotent. What does that mean? It means that God possesses the infinite and complete and perfect power. In fact, He can do anything He wants to do, anytime, any place, because He is God. Our capabilities are limited, but God is able to do anything that he ever wants to do. Ephesians 3.20 in the Berean Study Bible says, Now to him who is able to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power, his power that works, that is at work within us. If we look at Ephesians 3.20 in the King James, it says, Now unto him who is able, say able, We have got to understand and get in our hearts and get in our minds and get in our spirits. It's got to drop from our heads and into our heart that God is able. He's able to do what, family? He's able to do exceedingly. Say exceedingly. Exceedingly, abundantly. Above what? All that we can ask. All that we can think. Why? According to the power, God's power working in us. So the word able is translated from the familiar Greek noun dunamis. So we read that God is able to do something. When we read it, it means that he has all power. He has ultimate power. He has unlimited power, and he can do whatever he wants to do. Family, if God can speak the universe into existence, and if he could say, life be, and it appeared. If he he could create a living soul, if he could turn the water into wine, if he can make the blind to see, if he can make the lame to walk, he has power. The God we serve has ultimate power. David said in Psalm 8.3, when I consider your heavens, think about it, and the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man? that you are so mindful of him, and the son of man, that you care for him. God cares for you, precious family, cares for each and every one of you. Get that into your heart, into your soul, into your mind. So the God of all creation cares about you as an individual. So when when we get between a rock and a hard place, When life seems difficult and it's bearing down upon us, when challenges are looming like dark in the night, the best solution is that we can turn to God, our God who is able. Hallelujah. He's able to deliver us. He's able to save us. He's able to take care of us in our family. 
You know, there's a book written by a guy by the name of Francis Schaeffer, and the book's title is The God Who Is There, and it tells about a story about a man who was in a storm, in a storm, uh, in a snowstorm, and he was on the Alps in Switzerland. And it was such a, the swirling storm uh, was so bad that he couldn't see it just in a few, um, a few little paces in front of him. So because of the storm and it was, the snow was swirling so uh, violently around him, he crouched down on the ledge, fearing that he would perish in that snowstorm. And then he heard a voice and the voice said to him, leap over the ledge. He couldn't see a few inches in front of him. Would he trust that voice? But when he recognized the voice as a well-known uh, mountaineer, mountaineer, and he trusted that voice, and he was known as a well-experienced mountain guide, and because he knew the voice of that mountain guide, he leapt off in the dark to the safety to the ledge below. And the thing is, the point is that the climber trusted the voice to deliver him from certain disaster. Which voice are we listening to? Because if we learn to listen to the voice of God, when we face certain disaster, he can say, walk this way, turn this way. And he'll lead us and guide us. And he'll guide us into prosperity and joy and health. We have to listen to the voice of God. You can buy my husband's book, How to Hear the Voice of God. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. You know, family, we've got to learn to not lean to our own understanding. We've got to learn in these days that we live in that we've got to trust in God with all our heart. In all our ways, acknowledge Him, not just on a Sunday, not, but not, not just on a Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We've got to acknowledge Him. We've got to live for Him. We've got to hear Him. We've got to read our Bibles. We've got to be involved in group. The more we are involved in church life and listening to to the voice of God, then we are leaning to God with all our understanding. And the Bible says He will make our paths straight. Yes, family, our friends, they love us and they can pray for us and they can hug us and they can weep with us and they can support us. But nobody on this planet can do for us what God can do because they are not able to do what God can do for us because God is able. God alone is able to turn circumstances around. God alone is able to change people's hearts. God alone is able to change conditions. God is able. God alone is able. Do you know the enemy wants us to focus on our problems? Focus on the things that we're going through. He wants us to get tunnel vision on all the drama and the problems that we are facing instead of focusing on God, the one who is able to take us to where we need to be, the one who is able to take us from glory to glory, the one who is able to meet our needs, to heal our bodies, the one who is able to change our circumstances. We don't have to live in poverty. We don't have to live in just barely getting enough. We don't have to live in 
sickness. We don't have to be unhappy. We don't have to be when we trust in the Lord. He's going to make our path straight. And when we trust in the Lord and He makes our path straight, then you know when we follow Him on the end of the path or during the path, we're going to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We're going to be filled with the life of God, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the joy of God. He's going to say, don't go that way. And we're going to listen. And when people look at us from all around us, they're going to say, my goodness, how can they be so happy in the circumstances we live in? Because we don't live in the circumstances. Because our God is able to change our circumstances. In Jesus' name, God will deliver us, family. You know, I love the story about the three Hebrew friends. They're such an exep- exceptional examples of a God who is able. Do you know when the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, he captured it and instructed his officials to find the brightest and the best looking young men. Isn't that quite something? They, he, he only wanted good-looking people to come and work with him, and they had to be super smart. In what Daniel 1, 4, it says, young men without physical defect, they had to be handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. They had to be well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's uh, palace. Among them who were chosen, there was Daniel, but listen to this name. This is so important. His name really means God is my judge. Hananiah means the Lord shows grace. Mishael means who is like God. Azariah means the Lord's help. Now, imagine being taken away when you're young. You're going now as a a captive to another culture when you're about 17 or 19 years of age. You're taken to a heathen land where the culture is completely different to the culture you used to. And I want to ask all of us, how would we stand if we were taken to another culture and we were just a young teenager? Well, Daniel and his friends were completely committed in their hearts to serving the Lord. They were determined to serve the Lord regardless of their circumstances. This is incredibly important because you'll understand the king even changed their names. Now remember, Daniel means God is my judge, but look what the, the king changed his name to. Nebuchadnezzar changed his name to Belshazzar, which means lady protect the king. Lady. Are you catching a clue? The Babylonians deliberately, deliberately gave Daniel a girl's name. If you study pagan cultures that lose their identity and lose their godly values, the first thing you'll see is gender confusion. And is it raising its ugly head again today? I was so happy when I went to uh, visit a little orphanage, Sakisiswe, and the little girls and boys were introduced to me, and the one said, Um, Hello, Pastor Bev, I am a girl, and I'm five. And I thought, thank you, Jesus, she knows she's a girl. And I'm a boy, and I'm five. I thought, thank you, Jesus, he knows he's a boy. Well done, glory to God. Now, Hananiah means gracious, but now he's changed to Shadrach, which means under the command of a moon god. Another, um, Another meaning for Shadrach means I am fearful of God. 
Azariah means, which we know was um, the Lord, Hananiah was the Lord chose. Azariah means the Lord's help or it means Yahweh has helped. Now it's changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. So they changed their names to pagan gods. Mishael, who means who is like God, now has changed to Meshach, which means I'm despised and shameful before God. So here we have a king trying to confuse their identities, trying to get them to forget where they came from, who they are, and who they ever belonged to, and who did they ever serve. He indoctrinated them in the heathen culture. But these men had already been brought up in the ways of the Lord. We read about them as heroes in, in, of the faith, but seriously, family, you know who their heroes really were? Their parents. The parents were their heroes. You know why? They must have indoctrinated them in the word of God. They must have put the word inside them. They must have said, hey, you're coming with me, going to children's church. And after children's church, you're going along and you're going to youth. I'm going to take you to church. Come on. We are going to children's church and we are going to youth. And you know, because their parents put the word of God inside them when they were little, when they faced their challenges in life, you will see how they try trusted in God who was able to deliver them from all circumstances. And it is up to us as parents to put the Word of God in our children so that when we are not around and they can face the dangers of life, the circumstance of life, they can put up their shield of faith and they can quench every fiery dart of their wicked one. But it is up to us, family, as parents to put the Word of God into our children. Hallelujah, their foundation was strong. So King Nebuchadnezzar had decided that he was going to make this huge statue. We know about it. He was, was going to be 90 feet high. It was going to, then there was going to play worship and everyone had to uh, bow down and worship him. And he said, if you don't bow down and worship me, then you're going to be thrown into this blazing, blazing furnace and it was used for baking bricks or melting metal. But these Hebrew men, they refused to bow down. They refused to compromise their faith. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, if you don't fall down and worship this statue, you're going to be immediately thrown into the blazing fire. Well, Daniel 3.15 says, and then uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? But these three men had already established a lifestyle of trusting in the Lord. So they answered and they said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Even if we are thrown into a blazing furnace, their God we serve is able to save us. Hallelujah. He will rescue us from your power. So you see, these young men, they spoke out of the abundance of their heart. They didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to think, oh gosh, I wonder if God's going to help me. Do you think God's going to help me? I wonder if it's, is it his will to help me? He's going to help me now. I'm going to burn it like a little crisp. I'm going to end up like a little, you know, on a barbecue and a, a bright place. What's going to happen to me? I'll be just a burnt up. No. No. They didn't think they were going to be in the barbecue. They didn't think they were going to be a little crisp, vorsi, sausage. No. They knew they were going to c 
come out of it. Why? Because already inside of them, they knew who they served. And the God who delivered them is a God who wants to deliver you and I today because the God who delivered them is a God who's going to deliver you and I because our God is able to deliver us no matter how difficult the situation might seem right now. And family, I tell you what, I'm so glad we serve a God who can, we can speak to the tap and say, water come in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah, amen. We can focus on our deliverer. Don't focus on our problems. Focus on our problem solver. Let's focus on the Word of God. The more we read the Word, the more we get the Word inside of us, the more the Word will become alive to us. These three men, they were tied up and thrown into the fire, but just, that's like Satan. He wants to tie us up in knots, doesn't he? He wants to keep us bound in addictions. He wants to keep us bound in sin. He wants to prevent us from moving forward into the destiny that God has for us. He wants to keep us bound by lies. That's why it's important to come to church so we can get our minds renewed by the washing of the word. Apostle Thea always says, yes, come to church to get your brains washed. We've got to get the stinking thinking out and the word of God inside. We've got to get our brains washed with the word of God so that we're not bound by lies. We've got to know the promises of God. The Bible is full of promises, and God's precious and wonderful people are living way below their rightful privileges because they don't know the Word of God. So people are, are perishing through lack of knowledge, but Jesus wants to set us free. So these three men were thrown into the fire, as we know, and sometimes, family, how many of us say we've been in the fire? Sometimes we feel like we're in a, a difficult situation, but, and we are in the fire. Oh, but thank you, Jesus, that God will meet us in the fire. We are not alone when we go through difficulties. We are not alone when we go through hardships, for God is with us, and He's going to lead us out. We're going to come out of the problems. We're going to come out of the fire without any smell of smoke on us, because we serve a God who is able. Oh, hallelujah, to deliver us out of any difficult situation. No, no situation is too difficult for our God, hallelujah. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, he leapt to his feet and he asked his advisors, he said, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of fire? They said, Lord, we, I mean, King, we did. Yes, yes, true, true, King, we did. Look, he answered, I see four men loosed, walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Listen, let me tell you something, family. When atheists see God, they know it's God. They know that's God. As soon as they leave the earth, they will know, uh-oh, I made a wrong decision. Heathens who curse the name of Jesus, when they wake up, in eternity, they will know that Jesus is King and Jesus is Lord. They recognize God immediately because God is almighty. But that was then. What about now? How many of us remember Michael Phelps? And for those who are young and perhaps you don't know who Michael Phelps uh, was and is, I'm going to tell you his story. 
Michael Phelps was an Olympic swimmer, and I'm going to tell you the story, especially for the young people. But after nearly dying, Michael Phelps shares his secret that saved his life. It made him give the, the desire to swim again. He was a national champion, world champion. He said that he'd been in the spotlight for more than a decade, but not only for his gift of swimming, but he was also in the spotlight because of his unfortunate battle with the substance abuse. Many are quick to label Phelps as the most decorated Olympian of all time. He got 28 medals, 23 of them were gold, but they also said he was just one of those athletes who got into drugs and, and spiraled down because of his poor decisions. So at the age of 31, this uh, swimmer decided that he was going to commit suicide. This is in September 2014. But Phelps, and Phelps said he was like a train wreck. He said he was like a time bomb, wanting to go off. He says there was many times in his life where he didn't want to, to live. And eventually... He met the God who is able, able to change his life. He hit rock bottom after getting arrested for drunk driving on September the 30th, 2014, after making his second DUI in arrest in 10 years. And after that, there was a controversial photograph of him smoking an illegal substance. But in the days following that incident, felt. He also isolated himself in a room, in his bedroom in, in Baltimore, and he decided he was going to commit suicide. At that time, he felt, well, uh, the, I might as well end my life. I've made such a mess of my life. I've made so many bad decisions. I've let people down. I've let families down. I've let, you know, people who love me down, the swimming world. I've, I've made so many bad choices in life. I might as well end my life. So he hardly, he hardly slept, he didn't eat, he just kept on thinking he was going to, to kill himself. And that is when he met the God who is able to deliver him, because then God sent him a miracle. His longtime friend, an NFL star, his name is Ray Lewis, he was an outspoken Christian. He came to his rescue and he started telling him about the love of Jesus and, and how Jesus can change his difficult situation and take him out of feeling like he was lonely and that he wasn't worth anything, that he made so many bad decisions that he could, Jesus could rescue him. And so when he told him about the love of God, he realized that perhaps if he went into rehab, then the God who is able to save his life might be able to change his life completely. And it was, he, even though he felt like he was going through his personal hell and he wanted to end it all, he said, fame isn't all what it's cracked up to be. It doesn't matter if you've got fame and fortune. If you don't have the love of Jesus in your heart, you are poor, blind, and naked. But he met a God who is able, able to deliver him, able to restore his relationship with his father, which was broken and wounded. When Phelps saw his father for the first time in years, they embraced themselves and little did Phelps know that God was going to change his lives in extraordinary ways. And God wants to change our lives. No matter what decisions we've made that have been bad, God still wants to change our lives in extraordinary ways. So he went to rehab. And after leaving rehab in November 2014, he reassumed training for the Rio de Janeiro Olympics, which was in 2016. 
Three months after he started training again, he asked his longtime girlfriend to be his wife. And then on May the 5th in 2016, they gave birth to their first little baby girl. So then Phelps announced that in the Rio, 2016 would be his final Olympics. And this was an opportunity for him to give glory to God for what God had done in his life. And it was during these, uh, these Olympics that he won five gold medals and one silver medal. And thank God the devil tried to tie him up, tried to take him to hell, tried to destroy his life, but he found a God that is able to deliver him from substance abuse, deliver him from lies, deliver him from suicide, and helped him become a champion again. And that God is here today. He wants to make you a champion again. You might say, I'm, I slipped down a little bit. I backslid a little bit. I'm not where I should be. I've made some wrong choices in life. But you know, the wonderful thing of God is that when we repent and say, Father, I'm sorry, then God is going to say, come on, my child, give me your hand. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to make you a champion again. I'm going to lift your dignity again. I'm going to give you self-worth because you're going to find it when you put your trust in me. And that's what God wants to do for each and every one of us today. So I want to ask you, what are you facing today? Are you facing problems, family problems? Are you facing financial problems? What person hell are you going through because you know Michael Phelps the devil trying to steal his family trying to steal his health trying to steal his Olympic uh, medals and he being a champion the devil came to steal, kill and destroy but then God who is able gave it all back to him and God wants to take care of you family and give back to you what the devil has stolen hallelujah we're going to take back what the devil has stolen. We're going to not allow him to take back. Our, we're going to take back our health. We're going to take back our families. We're going to take back our jobs. We're going to take back whatever he's stolen from us. This is our day. This is our hour. This is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad because our God is able to deliver us from all our troubles and our problems. You know what? We must not be like the children of Israel family who grumbled and complained. You know, God wants to take care of you and your family. And I want you to get in your heart. You know, in Psalm 78, verse 19, um, when the children of Israel, they complained and they, and they spoke against God and they said, is God able to provide food in the wilderness? That's what they said. The children of Israel, these are God's own people. They said, is God able is God able to give us food? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says it displeased the Lord when they complained about him. I looked up the word displeased, you know what it means? It offended the Lord. When we complain, and I'm talking to myself, if we complain about stuff, we don't realize it, but we are offending the Lord. Because he actually is a God who is able to help us, to feed us, to clothe us, to give us a job. He's able, he is able, he is able. So when we question and we say, God, can you? It's like we are questioning his almighty ability to take care of us. And God decided to show the Israelites that in fact he was able. And he was not only able, he was going to prepare a table before them and a table, a feast actually, in the wilderness. 
He decided to display his supernatural ability. And he was God who was going to supply for them. And you know what? He supplied and provided for three million Israelites for 40 years in the desert. Do you know how much manna was needed to feed the children of Israel in the wilderness? One scholar said they needed 4,500 tons of manna every single day. Can you imagine growing up having children in the wilderness, but the bread is delivered fresh? Croissants. Chocolate croissants, French bread, baskets of bread. The children grew up in this miraculous way. They didn't know anything else, but there's a God out there. And when we wake up in the morning, food is delivered to us. They don't have like whatever the take a lot or what is your takeaway service is called, Mr. Delivery. They didn't have Mr. Delivery or Amazon bringing it to them at the, at the door. No, God, who is able, while they were in the middle of the desert, he was able to feed them for 40 years. If God fed the Israelites for 40 years, can he not feed you and me? Can, he not, can we not lay hands on our cupboards and say, groceries, I command you to appear in Jesus' name? I mean... Have we tried that? Because we should. Because we are God who is able. But you know what? We think it can't happen. We limit ourselves because we don't realize that God can do it. And if God can do it for the Israelites when they complained, he can do it for us who are not complainers. And you know, I mean, if it happened today, and please don't play that music because I was not nearly finished. And if... Imagine if it happened today, we would have scientists from all over the world flying in to see, Woo! we better put this on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and all the major news would be here taking, taking uh, all, you know, everything of what God would do. But I tell you, that wasn't the only thing they did, that God did, do you know, that he even gave them quail. He gave them food, and it flew in. I mean, you know, it. You know how much? 90 million quail flew in every day. And if they just ate one quail, like maybe Pastor Johnny eats one quail, Pastor Thea will eat two quail for sure, Dr. Andre, two quail, Some you're only allowed two, but that would be 180 million quail coming from where? But God said, quail, go. Go feed my people. And the quail came. And they were barbecuing the quail, boikikossing the quail, doing all sorts of curry kale, quail, every kind of quail you can think of. Because God fed them. And we are limiting God, family. We are limiting God, thinking he can't take care of us. He can take care of us. It's, for, it's a phenomenon. It's supernatural provision. What about the water? This is good for us in South Africa. What about the water? Okay, do you know how many millions of liters they needed 
in their three, three million Israelites in their blistering hot temperature. It was barren. They needed 15 million gallons of water every single day. 15 million gallons of water. And the animals, thank you, my love, the animals had to drink too. So God provided for them supernaturally, family. I'm saying to you, start speaking to your taps. Start laying those hands on those taps and say, water come in Jesus' name. If you can supply water for the Israelites, Lord, thank you, can supply water for us in Jesus' name. We've got to think out of the box. Get out of the box and onto the tap. <laughs> and say, hey, water come. So then, you know, we've got to understand that is the God we serve is a God who is able. He's able to heal my broken heart. And you can play. He is able to heal our broken heart because he is our Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He, is he able to give us a job? He is able to give us a job. Is he able to heal my broken heart? He's able. Is he able to heal my family problems? He is able. Our God who is able. He made the heavens. He made the earth. He set the stars in place. He named them one by one. Our God hung the moon. He chose the order. He said to the sea, this far and no more. Our God who walks on water, he provided the water. Our God who healed in the Bible day still heals today because our God is able. Our God is able to fulfill his promises to us. He is able to walk us through any trials. He's able to deliver us from any circumstances. He's able to comfort the hurting. He's able to heal the brokenhearted. He's able to bind up our wounds. He's able to lead us and guide us. He's able to supply our every need. He is able to, sa to save our family because God is able. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Our God is able. Let's give him praise in the house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you are able to show yourself strong. You're able to take care of us. You're able to meet our needs. And Father, we thank you for supernatural water for South Africa in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. You took care of your children in the wilderness. We thank you for water in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for jobs and food in Jesus' name. We thank you for supernatural provision in Jesus' name. We declare it. We declare over our city, over our nation, over our people. We declare prosperity provision in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Our God is able. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to do the altar call. Thank you, Jesus. Well, isn't God good? Thank you, Jesus. I want you all to pray for Pastor Bev tonight. I want you to have a little more enthusiasm. I don't think it's, she's excited enough. I'm going to get, she's going to preach to me all the way home. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It was very powerful. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Proud of you, baby. Awesome. She's, she's on fire. No, she's on fire. 
Come on, keep her quiet. Only time she gets quiet is late at night. At night, her chirp goes, and she's kind of a little budgie, you know, stops talking. And then I know she wants to go to bed. In the morning, we wake up, boy, it's tweet, 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 tweet. And my, my brain can't take it, you know. Because I, I, take, I take a half an hour to wake up. I'm, I don't even know where I am when I wake up in the morning. I kind of want to wake up slowly and say, tweet, 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 tweet. Yes, dear, yes, dear. And after half an hour, babe, why don't you give me my brain back? <laughs> I want to start thinking for myself now. I've got things to do. Anyway, praise God. She's excited and she loves the Lord and that's wonderful for me. Hallelujah. Amen. So I was really blessed to have a wonderful wife like that. Praise God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Thea, I want to know I'm going to heaven one day. Can you help me? Yes, I can. So all heads are bowed, eyes are closed. All heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You want to be sure you're going to heaven one day? You can be sure. God can put in your heart right now. And you can know for certain that when you die, you will go to heaven. And if that's what you want to know, if you want that assurance in your heart, God wants to give it to you more than you even want it. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And when I pray this prayer, you'll receive that assurance in your heart if you invite God to speak to you before I pray. So I'm going to ask you to put your hand up when I count to three. And if you put your hand up when I count to three, that'll be your indication to God that you invite Him to speak to you during my prayer. And He will. All right? And then you'll know for sure that you are God's child, you're forgiven and bound for heaven just that simple and if you want this I'm going to count to three slip that hand up are you ready heads about eyes are closed I'm looking and Jesus is looking to see those upraised hands the Christians are praying everywhere are you ready here we go one two three thank you I see hands raised all over that's wonderful keep those hands raised keep those hands raised there's my hand, Apostle Thea. I want the assurance I'm going to heaven. Can you help me? Yes, I can. Keep those hands raised. Now, someone's coming right now to put their hand on your shoulders to let you know we love you and to let you know that Jesus loves you. They're going to rest their hands on your shoulders tonight, this evening. And then we're going to pray. Now, I invite everybody here to say the same prayer with me, say it off to me, word for word, sentence for sentence. Everybody, including those who have their hands raised, let's all say the prayer together from the heart, okay? Here we go. Everybody, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished Jesus for my sins so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Please forgive me for all of my sins. Come into my heart and save my life. Thank you, Jesus. I declare Jesus is my Savior. He is the Lord of my life. And I will live for you, Jesus, with all of my heart until I see you on that wonderful day face to face. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. 
I am forgiven. I'm God's child. And I'm bound for heaven. Praise you, Lord. Praise God, I'm saved. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.